Well, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Hyden, for that very kind introduction. And I just want to take a moment and welcome everybody who's watching online. Uh, as Pastor Hyden said, I'm, I'm Mike Bussey. I'm, I'm the executive pastor here at Walk Church, and, and I'm really just privileged to be here this morning with you preaching God's Word. I've got a, a message from Psalm 23. I'm excited to bring it. But before I begin, I just want to take a moment, and I just want to say um, that Pastor Hyden has just been doing such an incredible job over these past weeks and months. He's been preaching every single Sunday. He's really rose up and, and met the challenges that we're facing these days. Uh, also, just everyone who's on our staff, they've been serving and just doing a great job. So I just want to honor everybody, including Nina, and she's been bringing us all of this great uh, 412 uh, kids content, and it's really been great. I know my kids have been enjoying it. And then I also just want to honor you. We couldn't do what we do without you, okay? So we really hope that you've been blessed um, watching these online sermons. I don't know about you, but I've, I've really been enjoying this series that we're in. It's called Headlines, Good News in Times of Uncertainty. And uh, I'll tell you what, the Bible just has a lot of really great headlines, and we've been leaning into them. And we've got another great headline today. And I'm just excited to bring this word that I really believe is just going to bless and encourage all of us today. So if you need to be blessed, you need to be encouraged, get ready to lean into this message. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 23. And uh, got some more really good news. There's so much good news in the Bible that even when there's bad news all around us, we can still lean in and we can still trust Jesus because we know that he's got us, right? I love how Psalm 112 verses six and seven says this. It says, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. Come on, somebody. Let me have an amen for that one. Type it in the comment box there. It says, his heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Well, speaking of bad news, you would not believe the man that I encountered this week. I mean, you want to talk about bad news on top of bad news. Now, over the course of a month, here's what I learned. He lost his wife. He lost his job. The government had issued a warrant for his arrest. I mean, this guy, this guy was having a terrible month, right? And... <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to know where I met this guy? I met, I met him in the book of 1 Samuel. <laughs> That's right. I met him in the book of 1 Samuel, right? And, and maybe you're thinking, well, this, this must be the villain in the story. And, and maybe God is just getting even with the villain, with the bad guy. And, and you, you'd be wrong, right? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't the bad guy. As a matter of fact, he was the hero. And he was actually more than just the hero. He was the king, Right? God had sent a prophet to this man, and he said, you are the anointed king of Israel. And he anointed this man as king, and he said, you are favored by God. And you say, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about David, right? David was the king of Israel, and, and, and you'd be right. And Here's the problem, though. The problem is, as I read the book of 1 Samuel, I realized this. Nobody was treating him like a king. As a matter of fact, David was going through some incredibly difficult trials. And, and, and here's the thing. That's not really what we would expect if God sends a prophet to you and says, you are the king. You are favored by God and blessed. I mean, I wouldn't expect to go through trials and, and be running for my life. And that's what David was doing. I mean, God was clearly pleased with David. God said that David was a man after his own heart. I mean, David is writing worship songs in his spare time, but he's also running for his life from King Saul. But his life was in jeopardy. It wasn't really an arrest warrant that the government had issued. It was really more of a bounty on his head. I mean, his life, by all accounts, was falling apart. 
He must have sat back at some point and thought to himself, really, Samuel? I'm the king, the anointed one of Israel? You know, I, I don't feel like a king. Now we think to ourselves, why would God favor someone and then allow them to go through something like that? And that's a really great question. It's something that we find all throughout the Bible. And, and for those of us who have come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are now called in scripture, the children of God. Are we not? But here's the thing. Sometimes in this life, we go through trials, we go through tribulations, we go through hard times, and we sit back sometimes and we go, you know what? I don't feel like a child of God. And why is that? Why would God allow us to go through trials? I mean, come on, church. We're going through a pandemic right now. I don't think that there is a more relevant question to ask, and I don't think that there is a more relevant scripture for us to jump into this morning than Psalm 23. And some of us, I would even say many of us are going through trials right now. We're walking through some dark times. And, and the question is, why would God allow that? And importantly, we need to ask this question, how should we respond to God when we go through trials, when we go through adversity? And I wanna see if we can answer that question by looking at the life of David from Psalm 23. You see, David wrote Psalm 23 as he looked back upon his life and, and, and he, he was looking at all that he had gone through. So I think that, that we can look at God's word and we can find some answers here this morning. And here's the headline, you ready for it? It's faith in times of adversity faith in times of adversity. Many of us grew up reading Psalm 23 um, and memorizing the Psalm like I did. Um, this is certainly one of the greatest literary works ever written. I hope you're excited about Psalm 23. Charles Spurgeon said that this is the pearl of the Psalms. And, and, he's, and, and his nickname is the, the Prince of Preachers because he says stuff like that. But this is a beautiful Psalm. It's clearly the most recognizable chapter in the entire Bible. So let me do this. Let me pray and then we'll go ahead and read it together. All right? Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And God, right now, we, we want to just confess, God, that we are, are dependent upon you. God, we want to ask you, Father, would you come to us now by your Holy Spirit? And God, would you illuminate the pages of Scripture that you yourself wrote? And God, would you make them clear to our eyes? God, would you open the eyes of our hearts so that we can understand what we're reading this morning, God? Would you speak to our hearts? And would you help us to have strong faith in times of adversity? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and read this. Um, starts with the inscription. It says, a psalm of David. Just telling us that David is the author here. Starting in verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Well, it never gets old, does it? 
And many of us have turned to this psalm as we have gone through difficult times in our lives. And I'm pretty sure that we've all heard this psalm read before at funerals. And and there's nothing wrong with that. But this psalm was written by David when he was going through trials, some incredibly difficult trials in his life. And they were trials that tested his faith in God. And I believe that the purpose of this psalm, the main reason that Psalm 23 is written is to give people hope who are in the midst of a trial so they can come out on the other side trusting in God even more. Now, listen, I wish that we didn't have to go through trials, right? We have to go through trials sometimes, but I just want to let you know this. God has a purpose for every single thing that comes into our lives, even the trials, right? And so I just want to say that one of the purposes of those trials, I'm not saying that this is the purpose, but one of the purposes that trials play in our life is that it tests our faith. And so we're being tested right now. And here's the thing, I want us to pass the test. First Peter 1, 6 and 7 says this. It says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And look at, let's look at verse 7 here. It says, so that. Look, anytime we see these two words together, when it says so that, it's about to tell us the purpose of what he just said. So he said, if, if for a while we've been grieved by various trials, right? So that, here's the reason why, here's what he says, that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now friends, I want us to pass this test. So let's go ahead and take a page from David's book and let's see how he did it. I believe that David's going to give us the answer key this morning for how we can go through trials and and, and that we can can come out on the other side, resulting in praise and honor and glory at the coming of Jesus Christ. You know what, David is actually going to do this for us today. He's actually going to give us an answer key. I've got the keys right here. I've got four keys. And so let's go ahead and take a look at these keys and let's unlock the secret of what it's going to take for us to make it through trials with our faith intact. All right. The first thing that David does is he remembers who God is. In fact, let's go ahead and make that our first key this morning. When we go through trials, we need to, key number one, we need to remember who God is. And that's what David does, isn't it? Take a look at it with me. Verse one, here's what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now listen, the Lord is God's covenant name. Do you see how the word Lord here is in all capital letters? It's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Anytime you see the Lord in all capital letters, that is the covenant name of God. It's used over 4,000 times in the Old Testament. And God wants us to know his name. And and here's here's what it means. It, It means, literally translated, it means I am that I am. I am that I am. What does that mean? I don't know, but, but I, here's basically what it means. Here, here's the gist of it. It means that God had no beginning. God will have no end. God is, he has always been, he always will be. God is the self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything. He's the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything, including you and me. He created everything in the universe. He doesn't need anything. He's God. He's God. And isn't it amazing then that David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now listen, this statement is meant to be shocking, right? In the ancient Near Eastern world, shepherds were considered to be the lowest members of society, right? If if you were a family and you owned some sheep, 
the, the very youngest member of the family would be assigned to those sheep and he would be out in the, shep, out in the, out in the field and he would be shepherding those sheep, just like David, right? Do you remember King David? He was, he was a shepherd. And you remember David was the eighth born son of his father, Jesse. But he, here's the thing about a shepherd. Their number one job, here's what they're responsible for, is to take care of the sheep, right? They know their sheep by name. They own the sheep, right? They, they feed the sheep. The sheep, they, they hear his voice and they understand his voice and, and they come running when he calls. And it, it doesn't matter what happens. He's with the sheep 24 hours a day, whether it's raining or whether there's sunshine, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, it doesn't matter. He stays with the sheep and he cares for the sheep. He takes care of their every need. Now just imagine this. Imagine the Lord the Lord is your shepherd. That, that's what David is saying here. And that's why he says, he says, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Here's what that means. Here's what it doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that I don't want the Lord to be my shepherd. It doesn't mean that, all right? Here's something else that it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that I'm gonna get everything I want. That's not what it means. I, I think that we can all say, right? There's a lot of things in this world that we want that we don't have. For instance, I would love to have a swimming pool in my backyard. I, I want a swimming pool. But last time I checked, there's no swimming pool back there. And I don't think there's going to be one anytime soon. Here's another thing I want. I want filet mignon, medium rare with lobster macaroni and cheese, truffle French fries three times a day. That's all I want. And then I want to wash it down with a nice cold glass of milk and some chocolate cake. And, and, and then I want one more thing. Here, here's what it is. I don't want to gain any weight. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I mean, that would be awesome. But, but you know what? That's not going to happen. Right? So, so that's not what that means. Here, here's what it means. It means that the Lord is going to provide because he cares for a sheep. The Lord is going to provide everything that we need. He's going to provide everything that we need. But here's the thing as we walk through trials in this life, right? Sometimes we doubt the goodness of God. We doubt the goodness of the shepherd who cares for us. And we begin to question whether or not the Lord is going to provide everything that we need. Remember the conversation that Jesus had with the religious leaders in John chapter 10? Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, right? Here's the thing about a good shepherd. The first thing that a good shepherd does, according to Jesus, is he provides for all the needs of his sheep, right? The good shepherd owns the sheep, so he protects the flocks. He's not like a hired hand who doesn't own the sheep, so doesn't care about the sheep. When you own the sheep, you protect them with your life. You, you stand in the way between them and between the danger. Jesus says that he knows his sheep by name and that he lays his life down for the sheep. And here's what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10. He's saying, I am the good shepherd in Psalm 23. He's saying, I'm good. I know that you're going through trials right now, but I'm good and you can trust me. So let me just ask you this question right now. What trials are you going through in your life right now? Now listen, I don't wanna in any way minimize the trials that you are going through. You know, maybe you, you've lost your job and, and, and you're not quite sure how you're going to provide for your family. And, and that's, that's a trial. That's hard. That's difficult. Maybe, you, maybe you've lost a loved one recently. And, and, and you're literally walking through the, the valley of the shadow of death. 
right? Maybe you're sick. Maybe the doctor's giving you a bad report and it doesn't look good. Or maybe you have a wayward child who is just living a self-destructive lifestyle and, and you just want so desperately for them to come back to the Lord and for, for them to come back home. And, and it, it's, it's a trial. It's a real trial. And there are so many trials that we go through in this life. And how are we going to keep believing in the goodness of God as we walk through these trials? That's, that's the question. Because it's really hard to see the good when we're walking through the bad. Am I right? Has that been your experience? Here's the second key. David says the second key is this. Remember God's past provision, right? Here's how, we, here's how we remember that the good shepherd is really good. We have to remember God's past provision. Isn't that what David does here? Look at, look at verse two and three. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? He says, that's what I'm doing right now. And it's really, really scary. And David is in a time of deep darkness in his life. And, and, and it's as if David is looking back over his life and over the course of his life. And he's recognizing that he leads me, he leads me, he makes me lie down right? And, and he's recounting what God has done for him. And, and here's, what, here's what he says. He leads me and he makes me lie down in green pastures. Green pastures. That's what kind of pastures are they? They're green pastures. They're lush. I can eat there. I'm comfortable there. And it's not just one, it's pastures. It's plural. This is a pattern of God. This is the pattern of the good shepherd. He leads us and he makes us lie down in green pastures. And then also water, same thing, it's plural, right? He leads us beside still waters. They're not raging rivers. They're not scary rivers. They're, it's still, and it's a place where I can rest. This is the pattern of the shepherd, right? And sometimes the path that the good shepherd leads us on takes us down deep valleys and dark shadows. But here's the thing, they always lead to a good destination right? That's the pattern. We sometimes walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it's because he's leading us somewhere better. He's leading us to green pastures. Now hear, hear me, church. Our first response to the deep valleys and the dark shadows that we walk through is never going to be one of trusting in the goodness of God unless we intentionally take time to memorialize and to remember and to celebrate God's past provision in our lives. And here, here's an application for you. I, I would really encourage you to do this. I would encourage you that today when the sermon is over, for you to get alone with God, for you to sit down with a paper and a pen or, or a, a Word document or however you want to do it. And, and I just encourage you to look back over your life and just begin to remember, what are some of the things that I've prayed for? What are some of the deep valleys and, and trials that I've walked through in my life? And, and where has God provided along the way? And did they lead to a better place? My wife and I did that recently. We sat down in our living room and, and we just began to write down all the times that we could remember that we'd prayed and that we asked God for something. And I, and I was writing in small letters and we started at the very top and, and we were just writing down all of these prayers that we prayed. And, and then to the right, we prayed what the answers to those prayers were. And I filled up the whole entire page. And, and by the end of it, we were just amazed at how much God had done for us and how faithful God had been and how much he had provided for us as we've walked through previous trials and we asked him for things. And you, you know, here's, here's what happened. We, 
we were really amazed that, that he had did so much. And we said, you know what we need to do? We need to pray for more <laughs> because God has been so faithful in the past. We need to pray for more things because God will, will answer our prayers. And listen, we've been through some scary things, but God has always protected us. And that leads me to, to the third key here. When we're walking through these intense trials, we need to, key number three, we need to trust in God's present protection. We need to trust in God's present protection. Not only do we, do we need to remember God's past provision, we need to trust in God's present protection. Look at verse four. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. Now this is important. When David was recounting God's past faithfulness, here's what he said. He leads me, he leads me, he guides me, right? But in the midst of the trial, he, it's, it's, as, it's as if he was talking to someone else and he was recounting what God had done in the past. Or he, maybe he was even talking to himself, right? Sometimes we have to preach to ourselves, right? The Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Sometimes we need to preach to ourselves and tell ourselves how much God has done for us in the past. But then it's like, here's what he does. He, he turns away and then he turns to God face to face. And he says, for you are with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you can just tell that David knew God in a personal way. My friend, let me just ask you, do you have a personal relationship with the good shepherd? His name is Jesus. Do you, do you only talk about God or do you talk to him? Your conversation needs to go from he leads me to you are with me. And we all know the Psalm of the shepherd, Psalm 23, but, but do you know the shepherd of the Psalm, right? If you don't get anything else this morning, you need to know this. You need to have a personal relationship with the shepherd. He needs to know your name. You need to know his voice so you can follow him. And let me, let me just make this promise to you based on the authority of God's word that he will lead you and he will be with you and he will comfort you. It's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough to talk about Jesus. A lot of people know a lot of things about Jesus and the Bible, right? But that's not enough to save you. I like how C.S. Lewis says it. Here's what he said. He says, every poet and musician and artist, but for grace is drawn away from the love of the thing he tells to the love of the telling till deep, till down in deep hell, they cannot be interested in God at all, but only in what they say about him. Hear me. The he leads me, the he restores me, actually isn't true unless you can turn to the Lord and say, you are with me. Amen? And I love how God puts it in Isaiah chapter 42, verses one through three. Hear God's voice. God is speaking to the people of Israel. He says this. He says, fear not. He says, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Can you hear the intimacy there that God is speaking to his people? He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. Can you hear the personal relationship that God has with his people? Now, here's something else I hear. I hear that 
in Psalm 23 and in Isaiah 42, God is not removing them from the valley of the shadow of death. God is not removing them from their trials and from their dangers. And in Isaiah 42, God is not removing them from the waters that they have to walk through. But here's the promise, that he will be with them as they walk through their trials. Now listen, when we get through the present trial that we're, that we're all currently going in, I want us to look back on this and I want us to pass the test, right? David's given us the keys today to pass the test. Walk church, I want us to pass the test. I want you to pass the test and I want to pass the test too, right? And that, though, that, that, that our faith, though it was tested by fire, right, has resulted in praise and glory and honor at the coming of Jesus Christ that the Bible talks about. Back to Psalm 23 here. Look at verse five. He says this. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's amazing. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now listen, some of this imagery is lost on us because we're not living in the ancient Near East, right? But here's what you need to know. This is a good thing. In the ancient Near East, if I was invited to someone's house for an extravagant banquet, I would sit down at their table after traveling for, probably for many miles. It would be dusty. And here's what they would do. They, they, would, they would bring a towel. They would bring oil and they would anoint my head and my face with oil. They would pour scented oil over my head that would just envelop the room and cause it to smell good. Right? And then they would pour me a drink and, and they would fill my cup. And, and, and I just want you to know that this is a beautiful picture. This is an extravagant dinner. This is not an ordinary dinner. And, and listen to what it's saying. Think about this. Not only is, is David now in the valley of the shadow of death, but now he's surrounded by his enemies. I mean, this, this is, this is a, an amazing picture here in God's word. But look what God does. <laughs> it throws him a party. Right? He, he prepares a table before him. There's, there's oil and there's wine and, and there's a beautiful feast to enjoy. You know, this reminds me of a, of a story from uh, 1 Samuel 23. It's part of what I, what I mentioned earlier. But as I, I mentioned, King Saul hated David. And this is before David became, you know, it's before he became king. God had already anointed David to be king, but he hadn't actually ascended to the throne yet. And so Saul wanted to kill him. Saul took the full weight and the, the power of his army and he, and he sent them after David. And David was out in the Judean desert by the Dead Sea and, and he's running for his life. Now, here's the thing about the Dead Sea, right? They call it the Dead Sea for a reason. <laughs> There's no water to drink. The only water there is salty there's no vegetation, there's no living animals, there's nothing there. It's the Dead Sea. It, the temperature regularly reaches over 100 degrees. And in 1 Samuel 23, King Saul learns that David is hiding in the mountains in the Judean desert. And so he sends his army to pursue David. And just as uh, Saul and his men were about to catch David, here's what happened, all right? Saul, verse 26, and... Um, 1 Samuel 23, it says this, Saul was going along one side of the mountain and David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his forces were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, come quickly, the Philistines are raiding the land. Right, it's, it's amazing. Saul is pursuing David, but somebody comes from Israel and comes to King Saul and says, the Philistines are attacking us in Israel. You need to hurry up and come. And so at the last second, King Saul has to leave. He's just about to get David. 
and he has to run away and go back home. Verse 28 says, then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. And that is why they call this place Selah Hamelikoff. And here's what that means. It just means the rock of parting. Listen, when David finally did ascend to be the king, he made that place, Selah Hamelikoff, he, he made that place a national monument. He did what we talked about, right? He remembered God's past provision. Look at verse 29. Here's what it says. And David went up from there and he lived in the strongholds of Engedi. Here's what Engedi means. It means the spring of the goat. Now, now listen, that's not a great name, but I want you to know something else. This is a great place, right? This is a place that is in the Judean desert. It's in a place where there's the, the Dead Sea, the crazy heat, but up in the crags of the rocks, it's hard to find, it's hard to get to. There is a literally a tropical oasis there that if you know where to look, you can find it. And it's amazing that David and his men were able to flee there. They were able to enjoy naturally growing dates and, and grapes and, and even goats come and drink from the water. And so, so David literally is having a luscious meal of grapes and dates and, and maybe some, some goat by a fire. Him and his, his men are, are taking a bath in, in the hot springs there. It's actually a hot spring that boils up out of the ground. There's waterfalls and it is absolutely beautiful but it is in the middle of a harsh desert. Now, here's, the, here's this. Think about this. Nothing has actually really changed for David, has it? I mean, he's still not the king. Saul and his men still want to kill David, but here's what God does. God prepares a table before him in the presence of his enemies. I mean, this is powerful, powerful language here. No wonder... David wrote this psalm. And look, just like Saul and his men were pursuing David, right? Saul and his men were relentlessly chasing after David. Here's what, here's what David says in Psalm 23, verse six. He says this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, here's, here's our final key from King David. Here's what he says. He says, if you are going to get through trials with your faith intact, here's what you need to do. You need to always be, key number four, be optimistic about your future, right? Be optimistic about your future. Hear me, friends, it doesn't matter what you're going through, what your present trial is, as bad as it might be, all right? I know it might be dark. I know that it might be painful. I know that right now it might seem hopeless, but I want you to know that your best days are always ahead of you in Christ because there's these twins, they're called goodness and mercy, right? It's, it's this word tov in, in Hebrew. And it just means good and mercy. It's, it's translated other places as God's loyal love. It's his relentless love, his fierce love for you. It's chasing you and pursuing you. It's, it's, it's like this, as I follow the shepherd, goodness and mercy follow me. And here's the amazing thing. One of these days, goodness and mercy are going to overtake me. Though my enemies pursue after me hard, one of these days, the one that's actually going to catch up to me is goodness and mercy. I like how Charles Spurgeon says it. He says, the God of the past has blotted out your sin. The God of the present works all things for your good. And the God of the future will never leave you or forsake you. It is, isn't it interesting that David said, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Mm, that's, that's just amazing. Thank you, God. All right. He says, not only 
do I have the privilege of sitting at the Lord's table now, but when my life comes to an end, right? After goodness and mercy overtake me, here's what he says. Not only that, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And let me just close by telling a story about Donald Gray Barnhouse. He was a pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And when, when he had, he had um, kids that were all under the age of 12 and his wife ended up dying of cancer. And Pastor Barnhouse did something that I could probably never do. He decided to preach the, the funeral service for his own wife's funeral. And he was trying to explain and trying to help his kids understand what had happened. And, and on the morning that they were on the way to the funeral service, it was a cold morning. They were driving. Their kids were just kind of staring out the window, trying to process everything that was happening. But the, the sunlight was shining through the car windows, warming the inside of the car. It was nice and bright. And they were at a stop sign. And then all of a sudden, a truck pulls up, casting a shadow over the car. And, and then inside the car became dark. And it was just then that Donald Barnhouse, he turned to his kids and he asked, would you rather be hit by the shadow or would you rather be hit by the truck? And one of his daughters, she, she, she thought about it for a second and then she asked, she said, well, she said, well I, I guess I would rather be hit by the shadow because a shadow can't hurt you. Right? The truck can hurt you, but a shadow can't. And so, and then he, he, he explained to his kids and he said, here's what happened. He says, I know your, your mother died but what really happened is she was hit by the shadow, right? But Jesus is the one who stepped in her place and he was hit by the truck 2,000 years ago. He paid for, for your sin and mine. And now that we trust in Christ, death can never touch us. It can only cover us with a shadow. But goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for this beautiful psalm, God, that you have put inside your Bible, God, that we can open up any time that we want to, to read, Father, as we go through trials. God, I thank you for the keys that David has given us this morning. And God, I, I just want to pray for everyone who's watching right now, God, who, who is going through a trial. God, I, I want to pray that, that their faith would be bolstered through what we've read this morning, God. I wanna pray that their faith would be strengthened, God, as they walk through these trials. God, I, I pray that, that the words of Psalm 23, that you are with us, would become so real to everyone. And God, I, I pray for anyone who, who's watching who, who doesn't have a relationship with you, God, who doesn't know you, who can only talk about you. And God, I pray that right now that they would where they're at, God, that they would enter into a relationship with you. God, that they would confess their sin, God, that they would confess their need before a holy God, that they would confess their need before you and that they would turn to Jesus and place their trust in him. If, if that's you and you're watching, you can just pray a simple prayer like this. Just pray a prayer and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And God, I'm asking you to please forgive me I'm, I'm trusting in Jesus right now, God. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And so, Father, I trust in his sacrifice that he made on the cross for me, God. I know that, that death actually hit him, Father, and I only want the shadow to be able to touch me. 
And so I'm trusting in Jesus right now. In Jesus' name, amen.